Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey. And uh, I'm really excited for this conversation today. I'm excited for you guys Mm. to have a window into Katie Piazza or Piazza. Yeah. At this point, we don't have the results yet, Aubrey. Of the 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 poll. That's right. We polled you to find out if we should be saying Piazza or Piazza, even though she probably has an opinion. We want to know what the Italian listeners think. That's right. That's right. And and so here's here's the thing. I, we, uh, so this, this is a wrestling, Aubrey. This is a wrestling that we have. I, we want to, we, we talk about some heavy things, right? Yeah, we do. And yeah. this is a heavy episode. This is a very heavy I mean, episode. I don't, I don't want to make light one. of this episode whatsoever. Right. Sometimes in the middle of it too, like we were just talking, uh, you know, sometimes you, you, uh, you find levity in that and you mm. laugh now. And here's the thing when, in my conversation with Katie, I was, I was astounded at just like how, just what kind of joy she carried herself with. Just what yeah. kind of, I mean, I don't want to say levity was by any means the descriptor of it, but it was right. like, man, she, wow, she is like, she's walked through some heavy, heavy things. And yeah, the pain that she's been through, the fact that she has joy is like miraculous, goodness. right? Not only as a, so Katie in 2019 lost her 21 month old daughter, Colette, to mm. brain cancer. Mm. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's horrible. Not yeah, only did, did she lose her daughter, but also was a, a caretaker in the whole process, mm. which is so much, you know, this like long standing trauma and suffering and grief that goes with this. And, um, you know, Katie just is, has a powerful perspective on this. Yeah. And, um, what I, and what I appreciate about her and, and appreciate her perspective, she, she is a biblical counselor. Um, mm-hmm. And an ER nurse. Okay, amazing. So, so she's got two, and we talk quite a bit about the, kind of the two worlds of that, right? Like, yeah, ministering to someone spiritually as well as you know, and psychologically as well as physically. Physically, right? Uh-huh. Right, right. So she's like ministering to the whole person, but um, she's also a biblical counselor through ACBC, which is the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, which is what my late wife Amanda she was going through her certification to be a certified biblical counselor. Wow! In that association, her dad. Uh, wow! You know, in episode one and two of, of the pod, nothing is wasted podcast. We interviewed him. He's a certified biblical counselor through ACBC. Josh Weidman, we've had on the podcast. He's a certified mm-hmm. counselor at ACBC. There's really yep. just incredible. It's a great organization. And so, yeah. anyways, there's so many of these threads that come in, and I'm rambling right now. But but what I appreciate about her is that she's been able to uh, kind of apply a lot of this stuff in her own uh, grief and her own hardship. And yeah. as you listen to this, you're like, man, how do you? You're walking right. with so much hope. You're walking with so right. much joy. So all that's to say is sometimes Aubrey and I, as we're listening, we're like, we have to kind of laugh sometimes. Yeah, we, we have, have to, to sort have of, levity. so we can, we can get through this as well. Cause some of these stories are, are really, really hard. So yes. yeah. So if we're joking about do you, how, do, what's the Italian pronunciation? Right. No, we're carrying the story really, yes. really carefully, but we're, because we're carrying carefully, we need to find joy and laughter in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, Davey, I, I want to, before we listen to your conversation with Katie, I want to read 
a review that we got on uh, Apple Podcasts. That sounds wonderful. It's a long one, okay. so I'm just going to warn you in advance, but I think it's worth reading every word because it's really, really powerful. I also want to celebrate something. We have almost a thousand reviews. That's right. We're getting close. Praise God for that. So, so we keep need reviewing people. To get, yep. us over the, get us over the bump. We would love to yep, see. Yep, that's right. I want to see that 1K right next to... Yes. The Apple yes. podcast and, and reviews. Part of that is because it helps like it That's then right. like aggregates us in the algorithms and That's moves right. the message up. So the message of hope in healing is moving right. up, right? It's not about me and Davey. It's about oh, this oh. message that God is this work that God is doing through nothing is wasted. Yeah, so okay, let me let me, let me read me and this. Aubrey, you listen to this for all these other stories that we're That's right. sharing and That's stuff. Right. We just get to help guide you to it. This is That's right. All right. Davey, are you ready for this? Yep. Ready. Okay, here we go. The title is Hope for Each Day. Mm. One of my dear friends was suddenly widowed three years ago. She was pregnant at the time and had a one-year-old. Mm. She has recently become certified to be a pain-to-purpose coach, and she introduced me oh. to your program as I recently lost my young adult son to suicide. Mm. I was captivated by the first podcast I listened to, so I have gone back to the beginning of your show, and I'm slowly working through all the podcasts. I listen daily, and I too am sharing it with others. Even though the stories have tragic circumstances, there's always hope and redemption. Your podcast stories are a continual reminder of the eternal perspective of this life and his big plan of redeeming all the evils and pain and suffering in this earth. There is a common thread in all the stories, and if it rings true in mine, and it is God's love, God's love story to bring us to himself. Mm. No matter the tragedy, he gets the final say, not the enemy and his schemes. That's right. Through my son's transition from the earthly realm, I experience the heavenly realm. And God continues to make much good out of what the enemy stole from our family. And he is revealing his glory throughout all of it. And I have never felt so deeply loved by the body of Christ as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you for listening to God's call in your life and all that you do in creating this ministry. I am so deeply for your loss, so deeply sorry for your loss, Davy, of your Amanda and baby. Blessings to you and your precious family and all those you love. Wow. Woo! Man. Hmm. Moment of silence for that one. I know. Yeah. You, you just kind of need to let it, you know, absorb it and yeah, and uh, let it let it digest a little bit. That's wow. We are so sorry for what you have walked through. Absolutely. Um, I don't know how and just, I mean, I know that was a long review, but that was a very short review to take mm -hmm. me on the gamut of emotions that it did, right? To take yeah. me to this like yeah. deep place of yeah. uh, feeling that loss with you. And then yep. to this hope that's arising because mm -hmm. of what God's doing through it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about is as we share your stories, as we share other people's stories, we're all encur encouraged continually and challenged yeah. to keep walking, right? Just keep walking, keep trusting, That's it. keep That's believing it. that God is going to set things right one day and that he's mm -hmm. going to heal us and bring us peace in the midst of all of it. And then he's going to reveal to us the, the, the ways that he is redeeming this. Yeah, um, that's right. Thank you for that reminder. Wow. Well, this this conversation that I have with with Katie is going to be another one of those reminders, one of those hope filled conversations. And so, uh, despite the uh, the horrible pain and loss that she's experienced, um, I know you're going to be filled with hope. And so, uh, go ahead and 
lean in and listen to this conversation I have with Katie Piazza. Katie, it's so great to have you joining us on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. You know, there are some conversations, Katie, where <clears throat> I, 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 you know, we're we're sitting here. If if someone's not watching this on YouTube, you can jump over to YouTube and you can see we're just we're sitting here looking at each other through the power of technology. And there's sometimes I jump on this Riverside as the platform we use, and I just sense that God is going to do something really profound and powerful. And this is one of those moments. I don't know why. But I'm just, I mean, I know your story and I know why God is like all in your story, <laughs> but I just feel very tender right now. And, um, and so I'm, I'm really uh, anticipating what God's going to do in this uh, conversation with those of you guys who are listening to this. And I know it's going to bless you. Um, Katie, I would love for you to share just a little bit about yourself right now. T- just tell us a little bit about your life and your family and who you are, where you live and what you do. And, and then we'll dive into your story. Sure. Yes. So I have spent all my life in the Cleveland area. I grew up here and I grew up um, surrounded by people who love the Lord. I went to a Christian school. I went to church and there was just many people who were mentoring and surrounding me with that love and the love of Christ. But um, at five, I was very much aware that I wanted to know this God. I, I wanted to know him myself. And that's when I asked him to be my savior, and my Lord. And um, from that point on, he became the growing center of my life. Mm. And from that young age, I just had a passion for helping hurting people. I was drawn, drawn to people that were hurting. So after high school, I went on to become a nurse and I went into emergency room nursing, which I love. Wow. And um, yeah, and then I got a bachelor's in psychology and became certified as a biblical counselor, all with that kind of intent to help people. And then somewhere in the mix of all that, I did um, get married. I got married in 2012 and became a mother shortly after that. And then my world kind of kind of began to revolve around home as the children started to come. So now I do still, uh, I counsel as a biblical counselor and I work part-time as emergency room nurse, but I have begun the journey of homeschooling and I've got the little ones at home. So mm. It's pretty busy, yeah. but um, I love it. I do love it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, you know, we were talking off air, and I just want the listener to be clued into this, that um, you're certified as a biblical counselor through the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, ACBC, which um, my father-in-law, my late wife, Amanda, uh, her dad is a certified biblical counselor through ACBC as well. And um, Amanda was going down that track. Um you know, b- before she was killed. And that that's something that we're really passionate about is connecting people with biblical counselors. There's something so profound and powerful. I've walked through my own biblical counseling. I've done some of the training through that. And there's just something amazing when you sit in front of somebody who knows the word of God, who knows how to handle the word of God, who can breathe and reflect the word of God into your life and into your situation and to help shape and, and shift your perspective. And so I love that that's part of what, what you do and who you are as well as in the medical industry. Um, right. Because my wife now is a PA. And so being able, I can see how important the integration <laughs> of those two things are. I can only imagine as you're seeing people right. in crisis in the ER, just how, fitting it would be to have that as part of a tool in your tool belt to also be a certified biblical counselor. 
Right. And that's kind of what led me to it. I was um, as an emergency room nurse, we, I was in an area where there was a lot of psychiatric patients, just, and, and not just the psychiatric patients, but patients that were there for general reasons, but those soul issues would kept rising to the surface, yeah. the fear, the anxiety, the depression. I can't tell you how many patients will tell me, you know, yes, I suffer from anxiety, but who doesn't, you know, so those issues kept coming up and as a nurse, I hate to watch people suffer, yeah. and I wanted to find hope for these people. So that's kind of what pushed me down the road to certification. And I, I like you said, I, I have seen the power of God's word um, when applied to our lives, and it's it's transformational. It's beautiful. It's liberating. Wow. And so, yeah, I, I'm so happy to be part of ACBC and to be a biblical counselor. Wow, wow. Well, I know you're in the world of you know. Uh, stay at home mom, homeschooling, all that kind of stuff, like you said, you know, and of course those tools are continually being used, but I, I know also those tools are part of a purpose as well that you live out. And it, and it's, some of it has come from the, a really deep pain that you have walked through uh, a deep loss. Can you go ahead and kind of track back with us and, and tell us uh, the story of, of your loss? Absolutely. Yes, I would say in um, 2017, our family was a pretty typical Christian family. My husband was an elementary school principal, and I was, as I said, working part-time as an emergency room nurse, but was primarily the stay-at-home mom to our son, who is then a toddler. In August of that year, I gave birth to a little baby girl um, by the name of Colette, and she was, by all accounts, perfectly well and healthy at birth. Uh, she was a treasure. I remember writing in my journal when I came home with her saying like, she's my crown jewel. I was so excited about this little girl. And she just she was thriving mm. on those early newborn days. And um, we reached 10 weeks and things seemed to change uh, literally overnight. She just grew really irritable and fussy, wasn't eating well. And we took her to the pediatrician who couldn't put his finger on what was going on, but knew there was something that had changed. Mm. So he sent us to a local pediatric hospital in downtown Cleveland, where she was shown to have a brain tumor that was about a third of the size of her brain. Mm. As you can imagine, that led to a transformed world for our family. Yeah. She, she began a 21-month battle for life that involved about five brain surgeries and chemo and radiation and uh, intensive care stays and uh, eventually um, home-based chemotherapy. And it was a long battle. Yeah. And ultimately, she was taken home to be with the Lord in May of 2019. Mm. Man. Wow. You know, and, and <clears throat> as we're recording this, we're recording this in May of 2022. And so you're you're nearing the anniversary of yes. her passing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I know the season is very, very tender for you as well. Um, and, and I'm grateful, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, just kind of dismiss the fact that you spent some time to, to talk to us about your story and, um, and your beautiful girl and, and your loss and, and, and revisit this pain. I know that it visits you every day, right. But the willingness to be able to open up about it, uh, we're really grateful for that's a gift to us. So thank you. Um, and to give to our listeners, uh, we have a lot of listeners who, who have experienced the loss of a child and, um, you know, everybody's pain is unique and, and, but that is definitely one that is just a very, oh, it's just gut wrenching, you know, 
um, to, to hold a life in your hands and to have these dreams and these hopes for, for this little life. And then, um, and all that to turn so quickly as it has in your story. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, I know it had to have seemed like a whirlwind going from 10 weeks to what, 21 months when she passed just that short amount of time. But I mean, all, all the things that were happening and how you're processing through all of that. And or what were you feeling in that time frame? What was the, <clears throat> what was the climate of your heart, of your family? What was that like? Well, you know, throughout the whole experience, I mean, it was, it, like you said, it was, um, it was a short amount of time, but it, it felt like a lifetime because yeah. of all the things that we were going through as a family and, and the world was constantly changing for us. You know, you know, for the most part, she had to live in the hospital for her first year of life. It was um, the type of chemotherapy that she required was a very, um, it was a very extreme caustic type of chemotherapy. And again, she was so young. And so she lived for the most part at the hospital and then we had a toddler at home and my husband had to continue to work. So it was a lot of um, tag teaming and people coming in and it's just not the world that you have in mind when right. you know, you're know you pregnant and you're looking forward to what will, you know, the baby book, filling up that baby book right. with all those first milestones. You're not anticipating that type of world. And so I would say it was a constant battle for contentment contentment in that this is not what I expected. This is not what I had dreamed. And this is my, this is my world. And will I make this world my home? Will I make this hospital room my daughter's nursery? Will I make this, you know, this change and this upheaval? Will I make it beautiful for my family? So that, that's what it was constantly a battle towards, not fighting, but to accept and beautify where I was. Mm. Wow. Wow. At the time, Katie, did you guys, did you say you had other kids at the time or another? I said we had a toddler. Yes. Um, he turned two the day of her first surgery. So oh, goodness, yeah. which you like know, a, taking care of a young child, a toddler is by no stretch of the imagination, easy mm. introducing a, a, an infant, a baby into the world when you have a toddler is a whole nother, compl- <laughs> but then like in circumstances like this, where she's fighting cancer and you guys are in, in and out of the hospital. I mean, what was that like? How did that further uh, maybe I'll I'll kind of give this lens a little bit. When I teach workshops on kind of the some of the the stages of our of our redemption journey, I talk about problems that we encounter, which is you know our tragedy, our trauma, our our diagnoses, our whatever, right? But they all have an internal, external, and philosophical problems associated with that. The internal is like the emotions that we experience when we are going through that problem. The external are circumstances that further exacerbate that problem. And this sounds to me like okay, you have this young toddler, you've got these circumstances that are even further complicating and putting more duress on your family in this. What was, what was that like? Yes. That was extremely hard because again, when you think of motherhood, you're thinking of presence, being present with your children. And that was not a, it was not a possibility. I had to be in one place and I could be in the hospital with our three month old daughter, or I could be at home with our two year old son. And so there was, there was a lot of adjustment there. So what we ended up doing is my mom became part two mommy. And so she was a grandma, but she came in and she would be with the child I could not be with. 
and my husband would float in and out as he could. So, you know, one of us would be at the hospital, one would be at home, and then we'd float back and forth as we could. But I remember, like you said, that those external factors that, oh, they hurt you so badly. I remember one of the hard things that was so, like a tangible hard thing was, um, when my son would wake up from naps or in the morning, he would call out a whole list of names. Like he would say, mama, dada, yaya, oma. He would go through a list because he had no idea who yeah. was going to get him up that morning. Yeah. And that hurt me so bad to listen to this list because I knew his world wasn't the stable world that I wanted it yeah. to be. It, it, it could not be. Right, right. Wow. You know, you were sharing earlier that your faith journey was is one similar to mine in that you received Christ and you, you wanted to know this savior personally at a very young age. Right. And sometimes I joke around. It's like, well, how much, how much sin could I have done at eight years old when I received Christ or at five years old? Right. But what we realize, wait a minute, there's something broken right. about me. Just the simplicity of my sin has separated me from God. And I want a personal relationship with God. And it only, that can only happen through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross believing and receiving that and believing that he raised from the dead so I can walk in freedom from sin. And so, you know, that's your faith journey in terms of establishing a relationship with Jesus. I I have to think that in the midst of this, there were a lot of questions and doubts and some kind of almost a shaking of that or an unearthing of that um, dismantling maybe of, of your, of your faith a little bit. Talk to me about kind of where were you with the Lord during this, during this time? Yeah. You know, um, we had talked about the ACBC and certification. And what was so amazing about this whole story is that I began the certification process um, before Colette's birth. And if you know anything about the process, you go through a lot of classes, then you write a lot of papers. (laughs) And so I had gone through the classes and I was writing all the papers and I finished that last paper, sent it in. And it was probably like a month before Colette was born. So I was like, bye-bye, papers. I will catch up with you <laughs> when um, I can after this baby. Wow. And so God, I see how God was so kindly. Um, I think of in Psalms 18 where he says, he prepares our feet like the feet of a deer yeah. and then sets us on a high place. God was preparing my feet for the, wow. the faith journey that I was about to be on. He had me go through all that coursework, preparing my soul for the high places that he was about to place me in. And so, yes, whenever I was set there in my high place, he had kind of given me the tools spiritually that I would need to face that. And like you said, there is so much um, challenge when it comes to those types of circumstances. You know, we know our God to be good. Yeah. And yet we're looking at a world that is so ugly and we're looking at circumstances that are so painful. Yeah. And in your, you're trying to connect God's goodness with your current circumstances, and it almost feels like you know whenever you're trying to connect those magnets and they're yeah. like the opposite or whatever they're yeah. or whatever they're supposed to be, <laughs> and they're just not connecting. That's yeah. what it feels like. My my life circumstances are telling me God is not good, and yet my Bible is telling me my God is good. And so working through that, that was a challenge, as you, as you mentioned, it was a challenge day by day and month by month throughout Colette's entire journey. But what I came to grow towards was first grabbing God is good. And this circumstance has been, has been filtered through his goodness. And even though for whatever reason it didn't look good, it was good. Yeah. And, 
I think the best way for me um, to wrap my head around this actually was through watching my children during this experience. I remember at one point I had to give Colette um, a shot every um, morning and evening. And so my two-year-old son would stand there and watch me give my his baby sister a shot. And so she would cry. And yeah. so to him, he's thinking, my mom is good, but she's hurting my sister. Wow. Well, how can I wrap my mind around this? And he couldn't. But the problem wasn't that I was bad or the problem wasn't that I wasn't being good. The problem was that his mind couldn't grasp it. His yeah. understanding was limited. And that is where we all stand. The problem is that our understanding is limited. When we can't connect the two, it's not a problem of God's goodness. It's not a problem of a misperception of our environment. It's the problem of our lack of understanding. Wow. Wow. That's so good. So good. Yeah. I mean, amazing that the Lord would be able to give you kind of that word picture right there as you're experiencing that too. Um, you know, um, something struck me that, you know, you were, you were quoting that scripture where he prepares my feet for the high places and, and you're, you're referring to high places as this, this struggle, this season of suffering. Um, when, when an average listener or reader would see that they would say high places, that's like my, that's my moment. That's my, like, that's supposed to be mountaintop experiences. Not like, I don't interpret that as suffering. What that's, those are valleys. What do you mean by high places? You know, like, (laughs) How are you interpreting that, Katie, as the season of suffering? High, high places in that they are high and treacherous. But when I'm thinking of mountain goat or a deer that is up in those places where it is rocky, it is unstable, yeah. where their feet better be well equipped to handle the you know challenges of what they're about to face. Wow. And so God always is graciously preparing us one step ahead. He prepares that hoof. For those high places, those mountainous, rocky places, he prepares us for those high places where it is very dangerous. And our faith, we could easily stumble. Wow. 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 That's so good. Yeah. That there's a, I don't know if you've seen this on like YouTube. Um, I actually saw it for the first time when um, uh, Louis Giglio was preaching and he showed a video of these like mountain goats that were prancing up and, you know, on these really just uh, treacherous cliff faces, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy. How, you know, how in the world are they staying up there? But it's because their feet are actually, um, they're actually formed in such a way to kind of grip that area, right? They were perfectly designed for that particular type of terrain. And so, um, I love that, that image of just being able to, to know he is, he has prepared you for this. He has prepared you for this. And, and now you're walking through this season, um, with that Holy spirit preparation sense and the, the fortitude that only he can bring and the peace that only he can bring, you know, you're, you're a medical provider. Um, you receive a diagnosis like this for your daughter. I, I, did that help being a medical provider? Did it hurt? I could see it going both ways. I mean, from, from your perspective, was it something where like, man, I'm so grateful that God gave me that as part of that preparation to walk through this. Or in some ways it's like, I, I kind of joke with Christy sometimes where I'm like, man, you know, too much. <laughs> like you, you know, too much, like it would be easier. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> right. You know, if, if you're not walking through this, through the lens of, I know exactly where this is leading or what, what's going on with, you know, my body. 
Yes, I would say that, um, like you said, it could definitely go both ways. I personally am so thankful that God did prepare me in that way because I did feel so at home in a hospital setting. I, I felt um, comfortable with, you know, just just how things worked, how the hierarchy worked in a hospital, who was who, and that kind of thing. I remember. Um, Actually, at one point, you know, whenever you have a newborn, you go through a little ritual, right? When yeah. it's bedtime, you know, you, you know, give, do the bottle or nurse the baby, then change the diaper and go to bed. And I remember getting so comfortable with the whole ritual, but then adding check the vital signs. So yeah. checking heart rate, checking this, doing this. And so um, it, it, because of my medical background, I felt like mm. I was, um, I was more equipped to handle it. That's not to say that those that, don't have a medical background, um, aren't equipped because I'll be the first to acknowledge that any mother that has a child with a medical, um, a medical story tends to become one of the best experts in that child's care. Yeah. And any medical professional that ignores that mother, um, is just doing so at their own detriment yeah. because that mother knows the child and she will become an expert at what is going on there. Yeah. That's really insightful. That's so good. Hey friends, I, I know that so many of you who are listening to this are currently carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. I mean, after all, that's probably what drew you to our podcast. And here's what I know. I know when we start to process what's going on in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain and not really knowing where to go from here. We even begin to, to hear or tell ourselves lies like, this is the end of your story. This will always define you. And, and trust me, I've, I've been there. But, but I've also, as I've come through it, realized that those are just that, they're lies. This doesn't have to define you. This isn't the end of your story. With the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. Listen, at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose in that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or if you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take a next step, I want to invite you to a free webinar that I'm hosting just for you. It's called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story No Matter What You've Gone Through. In this webinar, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my own journey of how God met me and, and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm going to teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The webinar is an hour and a half long, but I promise you, it will be well worth your time because in this webinar, you're going to learn how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of trying circumstances. I'm gonna teach you why having more questions than answers is an essential part of moving forward. I'm also gonna teach you how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're gonna talk about the one keystone decision that is proven to get you out of your pain. And I'm gonna teach you how to listen to the right voices when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you should do next. And listen, we're going to talk about a ton more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain that you're experiencing, I want you to know you don't have to stay there. I would love to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. So here's what you need to do. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free webinar. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just click the webinar link on the show notes of this episode. 
We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up, and we're offering multiple date and time options for this webinar in order to work with your calendar. So go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Just click the webinar link that we've included in the show notes of this episode to sign up for your spot on this webinar. I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough that you need to put you on the redemptive path that God has for you. I'm in your corner. I can't wait to connect with you soon. Go ahead and sign up now. Look forward to seeing you. It's, that's similar to what Christy says all the time. She says you're your own best medical provider, yes. right? Because yes. you, it, 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 on some levels, right? Except for mm-hmm. going and searching Google and listening to <laughs> everything right. that Google says about, you know, your health or what, what could be happening because of certain symptoms. But like, you know your body better than anybody else. And so you can convey those symptoms, what you're experiencing better than anybody else. And, you know, uh, now obviously... With Colette, she she was unable to. She wasn't able to communicate mm-hmm. that, but you were able to be her um, ambassador in that way, her advocate right. in that way. Um, and and what a blessing it is that you had that medical background and that that training to be able to do so. When you're in a, a diagnosis like this, um, whether whether it's cancer or whether it's some other kind of illness, or or even like you know, there's so many who are listening to this and they've experienced being you know, their, their child being in the ICU or something there, mm-hmm. it seems like you walk this tightrope sometimes of moments of, of hope, like oh, we're going to get yeah. through this and then moments of despair. And it, it feels like it could easily waffle back and forth between those. Can you describe kind of some of those extreme emotions oh. in those seasons that you felt? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's a great way to describe that. It's, it is like walking on a tightrope because you want to hope, but then you're scared to hope because maybe you've had your hopes dashed so many times. And I I remember thinking of it more like, um, like whenever you have a broken limb and you're so tender, like you don't want Mm -hmm. to, um, maybe put weight on it when it's time to like regain strength, because you're so afraid that when you put weight on it, it's going to give way. And so that's almost how we come when you've had trauma in your life. It's almost like you, you feel uncomfortable when things are going so well, because you think it's going to, the, the rug's going to get pulled out from under me again. And I remember struggling with that, um, significantly with Colette because she did have in a total of three relapses during Mm -hmm. her lifetime. So it was, it was difficult, um, learning how to balance hope and faith and all those things, in, in a sense, I, I came to the conclusion because I did struggle with that so much that my hope wasn't so much in an outcome. Mm. It was more in my God. My hope wasn't Colette's going to get well. My hope is my God will do what is right. He will do what is best. Wow. And though it, it hurt, his choice hurt me. Mm. I see, I see um, evidences of his kindness through that choice. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's such a tough perspective to you know, to wrap your heart around, it's like you said earlier, it's this, you know, there's a, there's a limited level of our understanding where there are times that God allows things to happen. You know, as you said, it passes through the filter of a sovereign and loving God. Mm -hmm. There's times he allows things to happen that it, it doesn't make sense to us. It seems very senseless. And in those moments we have this, um, this critical crossroads that we come to. 
-hmm. You know, do we trust our own senses? Do we trust our own sense of understanding? Do we trust our own emotions? Do we trust our, or do we trust in something that's anchored a lot more firmly, a stronger bedrock? Right. 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 Do we believe that our God will keep his promises, that he will be good, that he will withhold it in the Psalms. It says he will withhold nothing good from us. And so are we going to trust that? Are we going to assume that our God's going to keep his promise there? Or are we going to say, well, you know, life looks like you are withholding good from me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Katie, you're, you're coming from a background too, of someone who, I mean, as a ACBC certified counselor, you, you know, God's word really well, you know, um, you can't get through that certification process without having God's word tucked <laughs> no. into your heart, right? And, <laughs> right? and and being able to recall it. Um, can you how how is how is that? I mean, how pivotal has that been for you to be able to? I mean, I can even tell even the conversation I'm having with you right now. You're there are things that are just coming off of your your lips of God's word, and you're quoting it, and you're saying this is what, um, you know what? How how instrumental has that been? You know, I think of what Jesus says in John when he says the truth will set you free. You know, his word is truth. And so we can't, if we want a life of freedom, of freedom from, you know, anxiety, freedom from despair, freedom from regrets, we need to know his word. His word is what will set us free because I know his word, because I know the truth. It has set me free from those things. I know I will see my daughter again. I know this based on what his word tells me. That sets me free from despair. And I know um, I know what his sovereignty means. I know that he has ordered my days. That sets me free from regrets. You know, so again, knowing his word, the more, like you said, we can tuck it within our souls and the more we can cling to it, the more freedom we will find in life, the more peace we'll find yeah. in life. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. You know, the psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, you could also right. say that I might not stray away from you, right? right. That I that I may mm-hmm. not deviate in, in my thought patterns and my, my beliefs. And and that's um that's so imperative for us to be able to know God's word. Um I I what I love about God's word is that it goes so well in tandem with the ways that we experience the Holy Spirit too. Cause he mm-hmm. is always aligned with his word. So if we're experiencing right. something that's outside of alignment with his word, then that's not the Holy spirit. Right? right. But what's so cool about when we walk through the Valley is that when you, when you, your life is anchored on the bedrock of God's word, then the Holy spirit comes in and you experience things that confirm the truth of God's word. Right. Can you point to any times either during this battle with cancer or, or even after Colette passed, can you point to times where you're like, okay, God showed up here and there's not necessarily a verse for this, but it does point to how scripture has, has affirmed to me the promises of God. You know, did you experience him in certain ways? You know, I'm thinking of, and I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're talking about, but I remember. So when Colette, she received her final diagnosis, um, you know, the cancer had returned and it would be no, no more treatments. There was nothing more that could be done And that. We got that news May 3rd. Mm. And I remember, I mean, it was, it was such a blow because she yeah. had gone seven months with cancer free. And we were, I mean, oh, wow. if you know the heart of a mom, when, when the doctor says, you know, she may struggle in kindergarten, blah, blah, blah. And all you hear is, my daughter may go to kindergarten. Like she's, yeah. she's going to get well. So wow. we were there. That's where I was mentally. I was mentally starting to build these little dreams of 
we're going to be okay. Wow. We're going to be okay. And so then that blow of, um, you know, it's back, it's big, it's in multiple areas. There's nothing more we can do. Um, that was devastating. And I remember, so she was in, you know, the intensive care unit. She had just got through, um, they put a, a brain shunt in. So just so she'd be comfortable for the remainder of her days. Um, I went home to, you know, put my son to bed he put him to bed and I went down to our basement and I felt like if I could have dug a tunnel, like to bury myself further, it was, it was the hardest moment. I felt like I could not get lower and I just cried and I cried and I cried and I just, it was the heaviest moment that I had experienced. And I remember getting up from the floor of the basement and going to my room. And by the time my bed was my Bible and I picked it up to where I had been reading. I had been reading the book of John and it just so happened to be, I opened it up and it was the story of um, Lazarus coming back to life. And I was like, Oh, I can't read this right now. Like it's just wow. too light for what I'm going through. And, but I, I began to read cause I was just lost. I didn't know what to do. And I came to the words when he's speaking, when Jesus is speaking to the um, to Martha yeah. and to Mary, and he's speaking to them after the death of their brother. And he's saying to them, you know, I am the resurrection and the life though you, he was dead yet shall he live. And he says to her directly, he says, Martha, do you believe this? Wow. And I felt as though it was God saying, Katie, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection that though she will die yet she will live. Wow. And I, I, I was so um, it was so direct to me. It was so God's yeah. spirit to me. And I do believe, and I do believe his word that yes, I'm about to face death and I'm about to face the loss of my daughter, but she will live. Mm. And so to me, that was a very um, direct God using his word directly to me, yeah. you know, it, to minister to me. Wow. Wow. You know, when, when you lose somebody that you love, there seems to be this like very thin veil between here yes, and eternity, you know, here yes. in heaven. Um, how has this shaped your perspective mm-hmm. of this life versus the life to come? Well, he says, um, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so my husband, my treasure is now in heaven. My daughter is in heaven. So my heart's in heaven. I, I, I cannot wait. I yearn for that day. I, I, I do every day. I mean, I've written so many times. It's just time. It's just time. I'm every day. I'm closer. I'm three years closer to holding her. I'm three years closer yeah. to looking her in the eyes again. And I think that has shaped, it's shaped our home. We're very, we're very homesick home. We, we, <laughs> we're not afraid of what's ahead. You know, my yeah. son was three years old when his sister died. And, um, he loved his sister. And, but so his world has been very shaped by this and to the point where he has asked me, who's the next person that gets to die oh, to him. It's yeah. a get to die situation. Yeah, right. You know, he, he very much, heaven is very real. Heaven is just, just beyond and, um, and it's beautiful. And so to him, he will have a world shaped by this. I have had a world shaped by this. I feel yeah. very, um, uh, I think of the phrase um, loosened, like from this world, the, the roots aren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's so good. Wow. Loosened. 
from this world. Yeah. That I love your son's perspective because isn't that the childlike (laughs) faith that we should all be approaching our life with, you know, Um, there, and and that's the thing. It's like, it's so simple to children. Yes. It's so simple Mm -hmm. to them. And somehow life, the jadedness of our hearts or whatever it is, our circumstances, our experiences, the way that we've been tied to those earthly things, the way that we, mm-hmm. our heart begins to kind of, uh, and our hands begin to creep over the stuff that we have here and now, yes. it begins to cause us to, to lose that sense of wonder with what's yet to come. Yes. And the reality is, is this is life is a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And right. we live so much of our life for now failing to live for, for then. Right. And yet, right. You know, we should all have this perspective that your son has where, okay, when do, when is it, when do we get to <laughs> when's it? My turn? I know. Yes. I remember when Weston, you know, uh, he would, he would ask for mommy, Amanda and I, and I would just right. tell him, I, it was like, Hey, Hey buddy, we're, we can't wait to see her again one day. And right now God has an assignment for us. Yes. We're supposed to help as many people as we can. And when we've helped the last person that we're supposed to help, then we get to go see her. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's that get to again. It's the, this is not, death is not a departure from no. some place. It's an arrival into the next place. Right. It's a mm-hmm. it's seeing things differently. And that's what allows us to walk in hope in the midst of this grief. Right. Right. It's like, we're finally there, finally going. But I love what you said to your son, because that is where we've had to come with him as well. Like we we have work to do. We've, this is the time to work. So we need to work. We will get there, Yep. but we have to work. Yeah. So what was hardest for him? Go ahead. No, go ahead. What was, what was hardest for him was the nap time thing because he was so (laughs) jealous because there's no night in, in heaven. And so he was like, she doesn't take naps, but I do. Uh, (laughs) So that was the hardest part for him. He's very jealous of that. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Um, You know, there's a lot of people who have experienced hardship and trauma and tragedy, and it has caused, like you said earlier, like them to have this fear Mm -hmm. that goes, when's the next shoe going to drop? You know, once, once, once pain visits you, you become acquainted with it. Then you can Mm -hmm. begin to uh, exert yourself with worry of going it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. Is that something that's visited you? Is that something you have to combat? What, how would you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just because of that, I mean, since having, um, you know, losing my daughter, I've had, um, I've had another child and we have one on the way. Um, and so that sense of will it happen again, you know, whenever they're crying and you, can't communicate and you're wondering, you know, like, is this, is this something deeper? You know, there has been many nights where I have cried because I don't know. And, and I can't know, but like you said, that past experience does teach you to fear, but it does teach you where to go with that fear. If you will let it, because again, through Colette, I learned the path to Christ. And as I found that path, of trusting him, of trusting that he is sovereign, of trusting that he doesn't take my pain lightly and that he would never allow me to suffer one moment unnecessarily. So knowing him, um, it it is the, that antidote to fear because I, I trust him. I place myself in his care, knowing that he wouldn't hurt me. He wouldn't hurt me unnecessarily. That's so good. And knowing that he's brought you through it. Right. You know, right. There's a level right. of strength and fortitude that he's built in you, a, res- a resilience right. that he's built in you that says, man, with what we walked through, 
you know, I don't have to live in fear of tomorrow because I know that no matter what happens, God's going to bring me through that as well. Oh, I could not agree more. Yes. And that's one of those things that it almost removes. And I would think that's the same for you and the having faced the, the greatest sorrow than knowing that, and there's still joy and there's still yeah. a wellspring of hope. Then what, what left is there? We, yeah. we don't fear because we know we can't lose Christ. Yeah. And if we can't lose Christ, we can't lose. That's great. You know? Yeah. So well put. So well put. You know, we talk often about finding purpose out of our pain. And obviously there's mm. so much of a grieving healing process that has to come when you experience the loss that you've experienced. Um, but I'm sure that some of that is some of the purposes that you have seen God, the redemptive purposes that God's mm. allowed to flesh out in your life. Some of that has been very healing for you. Um, can you can you talk about some of those? How how yeah. are you seeing redemptive purpose come from this? Right, you know, um, after Colette's passing, you know, she passed in May in that summer. I remember um, the the verse that stuck like I just couldn't get away from was that verse about where it says about if a grain of wheat falls to the earth mm. and dies, it will bring much fruit. And so in my heart, I. I, I felt like I was that farmer just watching the earth, waiting for wow. the, the fruit, you know, like something is good. He's like, nothing will be wasted. Yeah. He won't waste her life. And so the past three years has been just, just watching, you know, this little fruit bursting forth and seeing there, there's fruit, there's wow. fruit, there's fruit and watching that and glorying in God's work. So, um, about a year after her passing, I had um, a, a book published of her life and I was able to um, compile the journal entries of wow. our journey together and, and make it into a book. And it's called Victorious, yeah. A Mother and Daughter's Journey Through the Valley of the Shadow. And mm. so the book has been one of you know the harvest and seeing God use that in the lives of others to encourage others and to bring them hope in their journeys. That was one of the, the great things. And then um, we've also um, been able to establish a website and it's called um, This Present Hope. And it is directed wow. towards families who are going through similar circumstances, it, trying to give um, hurting families hope mm. that is present right there in the hospital room, something that they can look at at 3 a.m. when they're up and struggling in their own little private battles. And so wow. we've been able to do that kind of thing. And, and it's exciting to watch God minister to other people's through our pain. Wow. Wow. We're going to put the the links to both of those, the book victorious and um, the ministry that you guys have started from that as well. Yeah. We're going to put that in us in the show notes, but are, are people able to support that? I mean, are they able to, to give to that, to come alongside yes. of you? Yep. And if you go on the website, you'll see not only there, so to support the ministry, um, but we've also, um, partnered, what we did was a, we started a fundraiser. It all started out of a mm. fundraiser for pediatric oncology yeah. research. And so we started this, it's called Colors for Colette. And what we do is we decorate the sidewalk square surrounding the hospital that she mm. was at, and we raise funds for pediatric cancer research. But we know that families going through this means so much more yeah. than just um, physical support. They need that emotional support. So that's why we developed this present hope as well, to come alongside those families Yes, we want to support them with material things. Yes, we want to minister them in physical ways, but we we want to minister them spiritually as well. And so wow. that's where this present hope came from. Wow, that's awesome. That's so awesome. How how would you suggest, you know, having walked through it yourself, how would you suggest um, those of us who may know somebody 
or, or, or maybe don't know them. Maybe they're in our church family or something that they've just received a diagnosis. Their child just has received this, um, you know, they have this illness and, and, and we're, and we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus and walk beside them. Mm. How, yeah. how should we do that? How should we not do it? You know, can you kind of paint yeah. that canvas for yeah, us? Absolutely. I would say, always remember when you're ministering to someone, they are two parts. They are a body and they are a soul. So both mm. parts need to be ministered to. And so when you're reaching out, try to reach out to both, reach out to the body they're going to have needs. They're going to be traveling back and forth to that hospital. They're going to be paying for parking. They're going to be needing to get a quick meal. They're going, there's going to be a lot of needs. And those little things that were just so kind, I mean, so many people were able to give us gift cards and, and provide meals and things like that, that were able to greatly, you know, relieve our, our physical needs at the time. So I would say reach out in a physical, tangible way, but then reach out saying, I'm praying for, and then explain specifically, I'm praying for you in the evenings because it's harder in the evenings. I'm praying for you with, you know, the diet, you know, um, whatever procedures are coming up. Let me know specifically, I will be praying this day or that, you know, commit to prayer for them. Wow. That's so good, man. So good. Um, Katie, you know, this, this has been an incredible conversation. And I know that you started your faith journey early on in life. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if you can point to one or two things that you know about God now, like, you know, like that, you know, about God now, what is it? Is it the, it's the epigenos, epigenoso, epigenosis, as opposed mm-hmm. to just the, the gnosis, yes. right? It's like, yes. I know this about God deep mm-hmm. in my soul mm-hmm. because I've walked through this. As opposed to, you know, prior to this, I didn't, I didn't know this about God. We, we talk often right. that you get to, you, you know, about God on the mountaintop experiences right. when things are going well, but you really get to know God and his character and nature in the valley. It becomes right. very personal. Can you point to you, some of those things? Yeah. Yes. And, you know, specifically, I, I had, I was a person that always struggled with, does God really love me? I, I just always, wow. I was very, um, you know, performance-based, you know, I got, I've got to please God, I got to please God, I got to do everything right, or he's going to be mad at me. I was always just so, so performance-based. And I saw him so as my, my judge, he's just waiting and, you know, picking off the marks if I'm doing good or doing not. And I think a lot of Christians, especially Christians that grow up in the Christian world, right? We, we, we tend into that instead of seeing him as that loving father. And, and I remember Oh, it was so specific. The moment um, when that I, I said, I won't do that anymore. God, I will not view you as indifferent to me anymore. And it was um, my daughter had, she was going through a very painful procedure and she, I had to hold her down for it. And it was, it was agony. I mean, I, I was sick with, you yeah. know, the, it just, yeah. just, um, it was, it was awful and holding her there and crying as she's crying and I remember when I was done, I was just patting her. I was patting her on her back until she fell asleep. And I remember that point saying, I'm not going to doubt your love for me anymore because my goodness, I could not love Colette more. And yet I'm holding her down for this. Like I could, I am aching with love for her. I am, she is covered with my tears. If this is how you feel about me, how dare, how dare, how hurtful it would be for me to to doubt your love. And so to me, that came real. And I said, I would, I refused to doubt 
your love for me. And so I would say from that experience, like you said, um, Job said it too, when he said, you know, I have heard of you, God, but now my eyes see you. Mm. I know love. I know a love a, a parent has for a child. You have that love for me. I won't doubt it anymore. Wow. You know, I won't kick against it anymore. Wow. Man, that is so good. Ugh. Wow. You know, um, I, I would love it if you could uh, maybe send us off with just some, some encouragement. If you're sitting across the table uh, with, with a mom or a dad, or, you know, they've, they've just received this, this diagnosis of, of their, of their child and, and they're just wondering and they're, they're doubting and they're reeling with what do I do? What would you say to them? You know, you're just having a cup of coffee with them. Yeah. They came to you and said, Katie, I know you've walked through this. What do I do? Like, how do I sort through all of this? What, what, how would you encourage them? You know, I, I would take them to Psalms 23. The Lord is your shepherd. You will not want. That is a boast that David is saying there. He's saying, do you know who my shepherd is? Do you know who's my caregiver? It's my God. And I will not be in need. And he goes on to explain, you know, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. And and I want them to know God is already ahead of you, preparing a table before you all along the journey. He will prepare comfort for you. He will prepare an arm for you to hold on to. He will be before you That's great. all throughout your journey. He will be beside you all throughout your journey. Yes, there is going to be pain. It is not going to be this glorious, you know, walk in the park, but he will be with you. Yeah. He wow. will be your shepherd and you shall not want. Wow. That's so good. That's so good. Katie, thank you so much for spending time with us and um, sharing your story. I mean, this, this cannot be an easy story to carry. It can't be one that's easy to share. It can't be one that's easy to share right now, even in, you know, as you guys are about to, um, you know, walk through the anniversary of Colette's passing. And, um, you know, I just, I just, I'm so grateful that you would trust us with that. And that you would you would give us this time to be able to encourage us and and, and fill our our faith cups up. So thank you for for just letting us glean from you uh, for a little thank bit. Thank you, thank you for the opportunity to redeem some of the pain through this. So thank you, I I am thankful. Well, another just powerful, yeah. powerful conversation, and wow. Katie's like you said her. Her vulnerability and her pain, but the yeah. the joy, the um, effervescence can only be something from yeah. God, yeah, right? Yeah. Only God could do that in the middle of such pain. There's some people that you talk to and you can tell like they really are overflowing what God is doing in them through this, mm, you know, because it's like yeah. she was like, it's like she was convincing me of God's goodness. Wow, I love. You know that. what I mean? Yeah. I, like sometimes yeah. you find yourself on the other side of someone who is hurting, and they're and you're trying to. We always tell, don't try to convince people, right? Let them, they're going to experience right. it, just show up and be present. But you do feel right. this, like, I, I want to convince you of God's goodness in the midst of what you're, mm. but like, here she is telling her story and, and almost like I'm the skeptic going, how in the world can yeah, God be good like in this? Yeah, but she's like convincing you of God's goodness. Amazing. And she's so overflowing with what God has done that she, mm. like, it's just a, it's an ever present reality for her. No, God is good still in this. And Those I don't are the think kind of you people can, I want to want to be around more. Don't you? Like absolutely. I want to be around her more. Yeah. I don't think you can manufacture that. I don't think that's Mm-mm. something you can put on, you know, yeah. that's it. There was a genuineness about that. Uh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Here, here, here's one of the things, Aubrey, that I wanted to wrestle with in this. That Okay, um, let's hear it. We're going to get into some of the nuance because a couple of episodes ago, we wrestled with a question that somebody posted on our community platform about mm-hmm. the goodness of God and yes. God's plan and evil and, and God's plan and pain and all that kind of stuff, right? So you can go back and listen to that. We're actually planning on, um, hopefully it's done by the time that you listen to this, but we're planning on posting that segment to the community platform as well on us wrestling through that, answering, answering that question. But <clears throat> she brings out this beautiful parallel uh, that God showed her while she was administering a um, a shot to mm-hmm. to her baby as her as her older child was looking on, and right. she had this realization, right, that you like the perspective of her older child could have looked at her and gone, wait a minute, like you're, what are you doing? It looks like because you're causing pain. Yeah. You're doing something harmful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You must be, this must be evil. But her, she said her older, uh, was it her son, her daughter? I can't, I, her older child, her son, her older son Mm -hmm. knows that she's good. So, so here's this little kid reconciling and wrestling with this. Okay. So what that caused me to think about, in light of the conversation we just had is we said, Hey, God doesn't cause evil to happen. Right. 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 He can't, that's he can't cause evil. Evil is a result of the brokenness, fallenness of this world. Right. Right. God doesn't have evil to give. Yes. And Tim Keller says, well, God gives evil enough space that it Mm -hmm. will ultimately terminate itself. That's what Tim Keller talks about in, in walking with God through pain and suffering. And so that's true. God's going to redeem this, through right and he's going to terminate mm-hmm. evil through the space he allows evil so god allows mm-hmm. it we've already wrestled with that is there though times where god administers pain mm. in our lives that could yeah. look harmful to us but it yeah. is actually yeah. helpful yeah that is such a good question. I mean, <laughs> that's a really good question. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't you love how I ask the hard questions and I tossed yeah, up to thanks, you first, baby. Aubrey? You're like, here, Aubrey, what do you think? <laughs> I want to go, no, God never does that. Absolutely. God is blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then I have to actually, okay, let me open my Bible. Let me think about my own life. Is yeah. there story after story of God administering really painful things? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I an example that comes to mind is even and this is small, but even Paul talking about the thorn in his flesh, yeah, like right. we, you know, Paul even wrestles with God. I've asked God wow. to remove this and he won't. Wow. Okay. Well then we have to assume that somehow that's for Paul's good. And even our, our good as we're yeah. recipients of Paul's ministry. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, Joseph his you know, his brothers leaving him in that, digging a hole in the ground yeah. and leaving him in that pit horrible things he went through ultimately for his good. Yep. I mean, even let's think about Jesus on the cross, right? Though God did not administer that. We know that that was part of God's plan for exactly. our redemption. And Jesus and said that he, his life isn't taken from him. He lays it down. Yeah. So in his yeah. divinity and alignment with God's yeah. plan, he right. followed the administration of that. Right. So I, I think it is probably, small minded of us to assume we know how God always works, but we can't assume it's always going to work out for good. Right. right? right and right. that, I don't know when we'll always see that good, but yeah. And I, and I think this is, you know, this is where you kind of go back to like, you go back to Job or you go back to, um, yeah. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, even if he slays me, even if he doesn't yeah, rescue me, me from the, wow. right? Even if he doesn't rescue us from the fiery furnace, hmm. we're going to worship him because he's God and we're not. It does feel like and a so very active. And so that's sort of the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's Do how we let God be God? He slays me like that. Mm-hmm. That's not a passive. I'm going to allow him to be slain. Right. Although at the beginning of Job's story, mm-hmm. it was God giving permission for the enemy yeah. to sift yeah. him, you know? Yeah. Like, so, but, but there, there's gotta be room there where God does administer pain in some mm-hmm. respects um, mm-hmm. for our good. So Yeah. Were you finished or uh, can I? Yeah, no, I've said all I know how to say (laughs) (laughs) on this. You basically just said, let's consider, let's consider these things. (laughs) That's what I did. Yeah. You know, here's what I was thinking about. Um, There are times that I will intentionally put myself through some pain or temporary pain for a greater outcome Uh, in the future. Like exercise is an example of that. That's a great example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, all discipline, is it not? All discipline. Yeah, scripture even tells us discipline is painful, mm-hmm. right? Initially for mm-hmm. a season, but what it bears, yeah. it bears a, a, a harvest of righteousness mm-hmm. for the one who, who submits to it. And so I've heard, I think Dave Ramsey said that discipline it, by definition is choosing pain, a little bit of pain now to avoid a lot of pain later. Good. Okay. So I think about that yeah. in terms of like, how would I, how would I discipline yep. myself? How would I walk through some uncomfortable things voluntarily so yep. that it builds something in me that would yep. help me to avoid even more pain later? Or as I'm disciplining yep. my kids, I mean, we're doing this all the time with our kids. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm trying to explain to my eight-year-old and seven-year-old, Hey, listen, I don't want you to wind up with a lot of pain later. And I'm trying to break that down to their little you know, right, eight year old right. and seven year old mind of like what right. could go wrong without scaring them or traumatizing mm, them. It's like, yeah. well, you could be, you could go to prison for this. Like this habit right here that you're doing mm, right now, you're mm. hiding and stealing and, you know, yeah, taking something yeah. like that right there. If you play that out, right. Yeah. So, so how do I discipline them now? Mm. How do I administer some pain? I mean, I never understood. Okay. This might open up a can of worms and, and I'm sorry, okay, we can talk it. about this later, whatever we can, you can email <laughs> me, Christy and I, just like Amanda and I did, we still, we spank our kids. Okay. Okay. And, and so some people may not, that's totally fine, right? It is what it is. There's, yeah. this is not a precept. This is a wisdom thing. So we have a right. certain conviction right. about that. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying you should, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying, but, but I never understood it when my dad spanked me and said this causes more this uh, this is mm. more painful for me than it is for you mm. okay i never understood that until yeah. i spanked my child yeah 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 and then it was like no this really is i hate this yeah like everything inside this hurts so bad right mm. but um and aside from everybody's opinions we believe on these particular there's particular issues where we need to spank our child to mm-hmm. give them a little bit of pain right now to avoid a lot of pain later. Yeah. And yeah. try to try to disciple them, right? Yeah. Discipline them into a certain road that they need to mm-hmm. walk, a path they need mm-hmm. to walk. And um and so the, I I have I, as I'm understanding that humanly as I'm seeing 
the, the heart of a father, I almost have to yeah. say there's, there has to be times when God disciplines his kids. There has to be times where discipline, he's administering pain in our life. Mm. Mm. And I think that we, <clears throat> I think we do ourselves a disservice to completely throw out. Like, I think we have to look in all of our pain, like, yeah. and we have yeah. to say, is there a discipline that is happening yeah. in, in yeah. this pain? Cause I can tell totally. you, God did some disciplining in, in the pain that I experienced in losing Amanda, a complete like victim yeah. situation. But yep. in that pain, there was some disciplining. There were some lessons God was teaching mm. me in that pain. Yeah. He drew some things out of me that wouldn't have otherwise been drawn out. Yeah. Wow. And I don't wow. think that God like caused that to happen for that. I don't think that that necessarily ha- took place, but I do believe that there are times where there, there, there is some pain administered by a good heavenly loving father. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, to get back to that, it's our limited understanding of God's goodness doesn't allow us to see those things for what they are. I mean, sometimes God allows us to experience like the pain of just like the consequence of our own sin. Right. Right, But even that is goodness, right? Like even that is goodness. And so, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And How many so times I have think, you heard somebody say like, wow, I got outed for this hidden sin and it was God's right. greatest And it was the best thing I've life. ever, it's the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. Most painful yeah, thing I ever exactly. walked through, but greatest mm-hmm. mercy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think you're right, Davey. And I mean, this is a hard conversation when you're, when you're thinking about the loss of a child. And 100%. I don't think in any way is Katie saying like, God did that to her child. But I think Uh -uh. she is asking some really important, bringing up some really important topics about like, is sometimes pain for our benefit? Right. Yeah. The answer is yeah. Yeah. That's a very important caveat, Aubrey, because that's, yeah, I, that, I don't feel like that's at all what, uh, what Katie Mm -hmm. was communicating. That's certainly not what we're communicating. We're not, we're not correlating Katie's story with this question by any means. Right. We just were really captivated by what she brought up right there yeah. and caused us to wrestle with things we know you're wrestling with. Yeah. We know you guys are wrestling with this, right? Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Wow. Wow. Well, okay. If you want to keep <laughs> wrestling with discussions like these that are tricky and difficult, or if you just need somebody to walk through you in your own pain journey, yeah. we have created uh, the the community platform and community plus for you over at nothingiswasted.com slash community. And it's a, we're excited about it. I mean, it's a brand new platform that we've been launching for a while, but people are so active on it. And it's a way to really engage with other people who are going through some very similar pain points to you, some different pain points than you, but it's also a place to find coaching resources, groups, masterclasses, um, all, all kinds of content. So that as you are, wrestling with God through some of these difficult questions that aren't just like happening in your head, but are happening in real life. This is a place in a safe space for you to do that. Again, we'd love to invite you to go to nothingiswasted.com slash community. Yeah. We also want to thank sleeping at last for providing all the music for the nothing is wasted podcast. You can go download and stream his music anywhere. Music can be downloaded and streamed. And we would love to invite you to follow us on Instagram. Engage with us there. Uh, You can follow me at Davey Blackburn, follow Aubrey at Obsamp, follow nothing is wasted at nothing is wasted ministries. Next week, we have a great conversation with Lindsay Wheeler. Some of you guys may know her as the founder of bottles of tears. Um, which is a, a really very cool, I mean, it's a kind of a, a burgeoning 
online business where um, so awesome. you you send somebody this kind of curated gift when they're going through mm. something really difficult, tragic, or, so or, cool. or grieving. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing that's happened out of her own uh, pain. And so uh, we have a conversation with her next week. You're going to really love this conversation. So go ahead and take a listen to a little clip from my conversation with Lindsay Wheeler. When we adopted Eliana, we brought her home and quickly we knew something was really, really wrong um, with her and not wrong with her, that she was struggling with um, some physical things and emotional things. And um, and it took everything we had, Davey, like for the first eight years of her life, she slept about two hours a day. And this went on, yeah, and we had every medical professional in Nashville at Vanderbilt, like the best of the best, saying, this child is a medical mystery and we don't know what to do for y'all. 